Michelle is a musician with albums released as Everyone Except Me and artist behind the post-apocalyptic webcomic Stray Cats. She's kind, a bit shy, and furiously creative. Henrik is a filmmaker with over two dozen films and TV shows as producer, director, and occasionally host. He also released a couple of music albums. He's bombastic, larger than life, and tenacious almost to a fault. Together, they've been best friends for a decade. This show is awkward. So a real question that I think everybody is actually wondering uh, during these uncertain times Mm -hmm. is how is your cat handling it? You know, you ask that like my life is different. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so weird. Everyone's just like, oh, I I have, I'm all confused and my life is upended and I'm like, I'm just going to go to work. Actually, (laughs) I don't think she likes it because I used to come home for lunch. And I can't anymore because I'm because yeah. I'm not working as close by. So I feel really bad. That's um, not nice of you. Yeah, I really want to see her at lunchtime. She, so I feel really bad. My dogs are eating it up. Um, because I'm. I mean, I was always around a lot, but I'm around a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're just eating it up. They just. Uh, I'm probably gonna walk them today because it's like really sunny out um oh so. that's nice it's raining here oh well that's what it did here yesterday so. oh right and it's gonna be sunny out tomorrow there we go yeah see yeah so so i had this cockamamie idea and like most of my no really all of my cockamamie <laughs> ideas michelle went along with it without any resistance whatsoever <laughs> Um, and my idea was, um, so I want to preface this. One of the reasons I came up with this idea is because when I first met you, Michelle, um, mm. you, <laughs> the fearful sound you just made, <laughs> uh, when I first met you, uh, it was, I don't, it's hard to describe you to people who haven't met you. Um, that's okay. You don't have to. Well, no, I mean, I have to, it's literally what I have to do right now. Because we're on an audio thing. Um, but, like, you can be a little intimidating. Because you're just, you're a bit different. And, uh, and but no, I mean, but it's true. But, like, you, I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, you, intimidation is, like, the best way to put it. You can be a little intimidating. I don't think it's on purpose at all. It's not. I don't, I'm um, not trying to be intimidating. Well, and it doesn't make any sense to me now that I've known you for, like, 15 fucking years. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I don't feel intimidated by you. But when I first met you, there were like a lot of assumptions I made about you that I shouldn't have. And one of them was that like, you didn't like, you know, movies and TV very much. Oh yeah. And, and let's, to to be totally fair, that was during the time where it was like totally not punk to watch TV. It was like before Netflix basically. (laughs) And now it's just not, it's just not punk to watch like cable TV, but yeah, you do watch cable TV or you did. Um, I, I, Honestly, right now, I pretty much just watch network TV, which also isn't punk, and <laughs> and then, like, streaming services. Yeah. Um, but I did for a long time, yeah. So, but I remember, you know, um, maybe five years ago, uh, when you moved into your, or six years ago, whenever you moved into your first house that you bought, um, you know, I, w- I would call you, and you were like, hold on, and you were, like, turning down the TV, and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were watching some cable channel, and I was like, whoa, you watch, you watch cable? 
Mm-hmm. You watch television? <laughs> you don't just sit and better yourself and create art every second of every day, which is sometimes the vibe you give off. So, um, and that's a positive vibe. Um, uh-huh. But as our friendship has progressed, one really cool thing is that really – I've, you are one of the least snobby people I know on the entire planet. That's really true. Um, I'll never, I'll never forget when you, when I came and took care of you during, or when you were recovering from your shoulder surgery Mm -hmm. and we ended up watching all seven Nightmare on Elm Street movies, all the first seven Nightmare on Elm Street movies, because you'd never seen them. Uh, which I didn't know because I brought the entire box set just to watch one of them that I was feeling like watching. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I brought movies. I was going to be at your place for like a week. So I was like, I better yeah. you know, bring some entertainment. Well, that kind of led, it like kind of snowballed into you showing me some anime. Yeah. Which I had never seen any anime. So uh, I, I think ReZero was the first anime you showed me. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed it. Like a lot. And since then, uh, I feel like you and I have been pretty adamantly sharing media, mm-hmm. you know, here and there. And that's what made me think, well, you know, why don't we do that on the show? Why don't we share media, in particular media that just probably neither one would find ever on their own? Yeah. So that's that's a the long way to build up that what we're going to do, and we may do this here and there on occasion on the show, is we're going to occasionally exchange some media. And talk about what the other thinks of that media. Uh, but with this, it may not necessarily be the best of the best. Because, you know, if I, like, mail you a DVD, it's because I'm like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. you got to watch it. <laughs> uh, this will be a little bit different from that. It'll be more, like, interesting things or things that, you know, whether they're guilty pleasure or whatever you want. I don't like really like the phrase guilty pleasures. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Because I'm not really guilty of my pleasures. I uh, am, but I don't. I still like the phrase. <laughs> So, with that being said, we did our first media exchange, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I figure we'll start with what you sent me. So, tell tell a little bit about what you sent me. Uh, so, I sent you um, a fan-translated version of uh, Doro Hidoro, which is a uh, manga um, by a person, by um, Hayashida Q. Um, and uh, asked you to read some of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much a synopsis of what happened. A synopsis? Yes. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's Doro e Doro, right? Do- Doro hey Doro. It's like Doro hey Doro. Doro hey Doro. Those are the characters. Doro hey Doro. Yeah. Um, so, because I will admit, one of my biggest struggles with it is just remembering the names because they're not the Japanese names are not in any way common to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they take a lot longer to kind of click into my brain. Yeah, I, I read. Um, I think I read five chapters. Okay, so that puts you. Let's see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> You're checking your notes. I like it. Yeah, I'm just trying to see where chapter five starts. Uh, okay, okay. So I see. I see where you are. Then all right. Yeah, and uh, my first impression mm-hmm. uh, is I did enjoy it. I'm glad I had a primer of watching some anime. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, because because like it there, it's different, and um, 
one of the things that made me like anime when you started showing it to me was I was really impressed by like the sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like it translated very, pardon the pun, translated very well <laughs> for me. Um, and uh, with, with Doro, hey Doro, um, or Doro, he Doro. That was right. Um, that was right. Both times. Eh, okay, good. Uh, but with that one, um, it's wacky as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this main character, uh, he's got a lizard head. Yeah. And he, in his spare time, because he has a day job, <laughs> uh, in his spare time, he hunts uh, m- like uh, magical people, people who have magic powers, mm-hmm. who come into our realm or a realm like our realm, I guess. Um, I'm still g- getting a grasp for the world. Yeah. But they call it the hole. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the name uh, of it. Th- yeah. That's kind of that. But that the hole is basically just where where we live sort of mm-hmm. right yeah it's like yeah, a, basically it's our, our, our realm you know to this point like i'm not sure if the hole is like a city because there's another place that they go to that's also a hole so hmm. i i just assume basically hole is just like a city in in said like kind of humany type world um gotcha like a really not nice city so yeah well because because relatively speaking from what i've read um when they're in the hole the only things that aren't like regular life or what the magic people are doing. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's just going about their business. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so he's trying to find who turned his head into a lizard head Mm -hmm. basically. And uh, the way he does it is he puts their heads in his mouth and then the guy inside of him (laughs) looks at them and tells them something, which is usually you are not the one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he pulls him out. And he says, "What did the guy inside me say to you?" I, I laughed so hard because you got to remember that, that first that first um, uh, chapter, or really mm-hmm. the first like maybe half of the chapter. I have no idea who any of these characters yeah. are, so I thought he was the bad guy. He definitely looks like because I um it's it's difficult for me because um I started reading it around the time um the anime was getting produced. So I like knew that, that like he was the good guy. But like, if I read back that first chapter, it's very hard to tell like yeah. who's, I mean, he definitely looks like he's the aggressor. I mean, he is the aggressor. Well, he is the situation. aggressor, but because he was wronged first. Yeah. By having his head turned into a lizard head. Yeah. So he, he, he uh, pulls that guy's head out of his mouth. And then he's like, what did he, the guy inside you say, me, me say, which I was just like reading this. I'm like, wow, <laughs> These, there are so many great sentences in do in doho, do, doro. Do, how do you do? Doro. Hey, doro. Doro. Hey, doro. Um, there are so many great sentences. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, I'm a, I, I need some breads to calm my nerves. <laughs> Starts eating loaves of bread. Um, but, uh, so that's kind of the, the, the basic of it. So now he has this friend, a female friend who owns, or at least works at like a diner mm-hmm. sort of place. I mean, a restaurant, uh, uh, but I would say it's kind of like a Japanese diner serves like comfort food. Yeah. Stuff like that, right? Yeah. I think, I think it's just a, I think it, she basically just serves gyoza, but I'm, you know, but maybe she makes other stuff too. And, and there's a, there's a great part where he comes in and she's being attacked by a, by a magic person who's like half turned her into a woodlouse mm-hmm. and she's like struggling and has like insect pieces of her body. And he just goes, wait, did this guy eat my gyoza? <laughs> <laughs> and I like actually had to stop because I was laughing so hard. It just, okay, wait, did he eat my gyoza? Huh? 
Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, it's really funny. Well, but but also, it's it it makes more sense because the more you read it, you find out that like, oh, well, the reason he wasn't freaking out, so he's impervious to magic, mm-hmm. which makes him a phenomenal killer of magic people. Yes. Um. But there's this whole um. But so the reason he doesn't freak out is that he knows that once he kills the the person who cast the spell, she'll go back to normal. Mm-hmm. That's why he doesn't freak out. But at the but but when I first read it, I'm just like, this seems awfully serious. He's really yeah. worried about the gyoza. And one thing I've really noticed from a lot of the Japanese stuff that um that you've helped me consume is they have a, like a really a lot to do with food. Oh yeah. Well, I think I think also like I just like the one. no no in general they do, but I also <laughs> like ones that have to do with food like a lot. So. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just funny like how it's uh, like there there's a lot of that going on. Also, um the friendship between the lizard man and his female friend is really sweet. Mhm. Yeah. There's a whole part where she fell sick. Yeah. She was she was ill a- in bed and he goes to work and he does some other stuff and uh and he stops by to drop off the bento box that mm-hmm. she gave him for his lunch. And when he drops it off, he just seems, you know, she's not feeling, she doesn't seem to be feeling better. So he like leaves with like kind of his head down because they usually hang out. Mm-hmm. And then she invites him in for dinner and he's like super, he perks up and gets really excited. Yeah. There's also a lot of interesting stuff because he, he doesn't have his memory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have his memory from before, but he knows that he was cursed. Mm-hmm. So he wants to undo the curse, but there's like that whole part where he's like, I don't even know who the guy inside me is. I mean, like, was, is that me before I was turned into this? I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> what did the guy inside me say to you? <laughs> it's just, it's just so, it's so out there. I really mm-hmm. did enjoy it though. Um, and I, I was just starting to get to know the, the, um, the magic character, the one with the weird nose mask thing. Oh, Fujita. I probably, <laughs> I, um, I mean, yeah, I struggle weird. with the names. I'm still trying to like, you know, they're, it's hard for me to remember the names right now. I'm yeah. still learning. That, that's okay. Um, but, yeah, but um, I'm still seeing him kind of pop up. Cause he seems like he's, he's going to be an interesting part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he's basically been sent to do the same thing. If I'm remembering correctly. I mean, he was sent to find the guy who turned him into a lizard head. Right. Cause it's, it, this is super weird and all. Yeah. So they have to figure out, who who you know put the spell on him because they kind of got to undo the spell so that yeah. like he stops just randomly killing people and they can go oh damn i'm sorry um uh <laughs> say that again so um they i mean they have to find out um who uh who turned him into a lizard so that they can undo the spell and he can stop randomly killing people so they can go and keep um experimenting on regular people with their magic yeah, and that's the thing. So, like, uh, he, the main character, the lizard man, works at like a hospital that takes care of people who have been like failed magic experiments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have like half of their face is a is like a insect's face mm-hmm. because they, you know, they failed to con- to turn them all the way into something, which I thought was really a fascinating kind of world building. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird. Yeah. Also, there's the part where he's given the the bag with the the magic guys like severed head and okay, guts and stuff. So in it. you are in like chapter you were in like chapter five then. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty great because he's like, please, he's like begging him to kill him, and he's mm-hmm. like, hold on, you know, before I do, like, do you know? He like asking him a question. He's like, he's like, could you ask? Could I uh, ask you a question or something? He's like, no, kill me. And he's just like, fair enough, and throws him into a <laughs> into a giant incinerator. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I, I mean, I do want to mention, I have not sat, and aside from your comic, I don't really read comics. Mm-hmm. Um, the only comic book that I ever, I know this isn't a comic book, this is different, but it's a similar art form. Um, the only comic book I ever read from cover to cover was uh, Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. Wow. I'm not kidding. That was a comic book that existed. Um, it was a novelty comic book, but it was a story about how, like, Godzilla and Charles Bark Godzilla is destroying a city and Charles Barkley gets this magic coin that if you flip it you become giant huh. and then he fights Godzilla in a one-on-one basketball match. Wow. And uh I I think my mother just like grabbed it off of a newsstand cuz it had Godzilla on it and thought of me. Mhm. <laughs> so, but I read it like three or four times. I mean it wasn't a very long read. But uh but yeah, so that was the last like comic I read that and um I I did you know what I did read one um omnibus of comics okay called Voodoo Joe. Hmm. And that was like a really dark adult comic that was really really funny. Um it was done by an artist in Columbus and I've actually tried looking into it. It seems like there's still stuff out there. You'd probably get a real kick out of Voodoo Joe. He's a guy actually very similarly uh, who is cursed. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but he was cursed. Uh, his head is his entire head is turned into a voodoo mask. Okay, like one of those wooden voodoo masks. But like his head, he doesn't have a head. He just has a voodoo mask that just yeah. kind of is over where his head would be. Like the guy whose head is a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but uh, but so he has no head. He just has this voodoo mask. But his curse is that he has like voodoo powers, but he has to help people get revenge. Okay. Like that's the that's what his curse is, and if he doesn't do it, then he'll he'll die. I think it was, or he'll suffer, or something like that. Okay. So he has to help people get revenge. So he's literally like actively looking for people who are like you know need they need help doing revenge. But then he just uh, he just does really horrible things because he has all this voodoo power and stuff. Um, yeah. There's this one, there was one episode of Voodoo Joe or or, or issue or whatever you want to call it, of Voodoo Joe, where this guy says like, I want revenge on my boss for firing me and making fun of me when I was like leaving or whatever. So Voodoo Joe's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make a special poison and we're going to put a little bit of that poison in in his wife's coffee every morning and she'll get sicker and sicker, but my poisons are completely undetectable. You can't find them anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in any blood test, but we'll keep sneaking her the poison every single day. She'll get sicker and sicker and the medical bills will pile up and he'll take care of her and he'll lose his job because, because she's, you know, she's so sick. And then finally, when he's completely destitute, we'll kill her. And the guy's like, all right, I'm in. Like, he's like, yeah, let's do it. So they put a drop of it into a, uh, into her coffee mug mm-hmm. and she takes a sip and then just sits there for a second and then just falls over dead. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Maybe she's a diabetic or something. And he's like, let's just go upstairs and tell the guy we killed his wife because he's a jerk. <laughs> and, there, and there was one where he like, he reanimated, he he would, Voodoo Joe, it was a really off color comic. Mm-hmm. Voodoo Joe would reanimate like fetuses from an abortion clinic. Wow. And have them do his bidding as zombies. Oh, jeez. And the guy was so mortified by these like fetus zombies. He was like, he was like, um, could we not use magic? It freaks me out. So they go to this guy's house and he's like, all right, no magic. So he walks into this house and he's like, all right, my buddy here told me that you, uh, that you, that you fired his mother from a job and then, uh, and then, you know, uh, evicted them from their house or whatever. And then he's like, so, 
I'm here to get revenge. He's like, unfortunately, he doesn't want me using magic. So that's why I brought this here tire iron. And he just beats him to death. And there's blood everywhere. (laughs) And then the guy is just standing there covered in blood. And he's like, can we go back to using magic? And he goes, that a boy. (laughs) It's a really good comic. And it reminded reminded me, uh, this reminded me of that. Because that was probably one of the most enjoyable times I ever had reading a comic. I remember laughing out loud. Yeah. And I laughed out loud reading Dory. Do, 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 how is, what is it? Doro e Doro? Doro hey Doro. Doro hey Doro. Sorry, my Hispanic is sticking out. I'm like, Doro e Doro, right? Mm-hmm. Ole. But yeah, I should see if I can find any Voodoo Joe and send it to you. Yeah. You probably really like yeah, it. Yeah, do, do. Um, <laughs> but I literally bought that comic like from the, the guy who wrote the comic at cool. a convention when I was a teenager. A convention I was at selling movies. So... But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to read um, some more of it. Please do. Um, I'm, I'm really interested because if you're in chapter five, that means you were introduced to some other characters that look like at the beginning of the chapter. You got some people just kind of beating the shit out of some people. Yes, yes. Uh, because the, 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 uh, they're the reason that the guy was in the plastic bag. Yeah. Because they yeah. were talking about trash bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're they're interesting. Um so I'm just interested to see what you think. And there's there's something like I'll like what I kind of what I well I mean one of the reasons I sent it to you besides the fact that like I'm reading it right now and <laughs> I'm excited um is uh is that like everybody just looks like all the magic users have like masks on and I'm like mm-hmm. I want a mask. It's the apocalypse. I want a cool <laughs> mask. Um <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's why. Um, well, I will, I'll read more of it. I still have it up on my iPad so I oh, can cool. read more. All right. But what I was going to say before I forgot and got really sidetracked is that it's really interesting with the um, the there's like magic users or sorcerers or whatever the translation thinks it is right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's really interesting is like with the art, like seeing all these characters that have like these weird looking heads and costumes and then eventually they take off their masks and it's like oh it's a normal person um <laughs> uh, i just i just thought that was cool and that is why um that is how slipknot influenced this comic <laughs> i'm not even kidding so. <laughs> i'm gonna believe you this one time okay um so speaking of uh so that was Doro a Hey Doro. Yeah. Um, a manga that I, I read a chunk of and I'm going to keep reading it. It was really good. I'm glad you liked it. And I ended up in like, so it's the weirdest thing. I'm, I complain about having like way too much time, but then like once I have things to do, they pile so quick. Yeah. So I actually really had to carve out time to read it when I thought Aww. I wouldn't have to. No. So I'm just excited that now I'm going to read it and I don't have any like any assigned time to talk about it. I can just text you when I'm reading a, a chapter and I like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, do. So, Cause I know all of the things that happen. So, well, but unlike you, I, I never hand over ongoing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always, I'm pretty, you're probably mostly going to get movies from me. Okay. Um, uh, so I sent you the classic, uh, I forget what year, I think it was 87. Okay. I was wondering the year. So now I know. Now I, now I got an, and now I have to know for sure. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I should have, I, I meant to, again, because I was time crunched, I was going to actually rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I was right. 1987's Stripped to Kill, um, mm-hmm. th- which is produced by Roger Corman. And, uh, gosh, who directed that? Was that Cat Shea? 
was it Cat Shea? Yeah, Cat Shea directed it. Um, and uh, it was the beginning of a massive influx of stripper thrillers that started being made in the late eighties and di- and went all the way into almost the late nineties Wow! Um, and became staples of like Showtime and Cinemax uh, and HBO. Yeah. yeah. But strip to kill is probably one of the best. And I sent it to you. Uh, I purposely didn't n- label the file mm-hmm. that I sent you. So did you just play it and and let it kind of unravel or what happened? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Good, good. I'm glad I made the right decision. So, (laughs) so tell me about strip to kill. So, uh, I, I wrote notes so that I wouldn't forget (laughs) what to tell you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. (laughs) It was really hard too, because gigs was on my lap and I only had one, one hand. So like, Mm -hmm. They spelled things wrong. and Well, a lot of people watching that movie only had one hand, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it was just this movie um, about like, uh, well, I thought was really interesting is it started without like the main characters in it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like this movie about like these strippers and all of a sudden, oh my God, they're getting killed. And then there are these cops, these buddy cops. And they're going to find out who killed the strippers. But the only way they can do that is if the, the female cop goes undercover as a stripper, as a stripper, but apparently yeah. they didn't totally get permission to do that. And she didn't know, which isn't cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I thought it was like interesting. Um, what really stuck out to me is that I believe this is the, um, the uh, what's that called? Um, the kind of like the blueprint for miscongeniality a little. Um, oh yeah, no, a little bit. Yeah, because um, you have this this woman who, I mean, as far as I could tell, I mean, they didn't really go into it. It's not like miscongeniality where they're like, she's not very womanly. You have this this <laughs> person who like you know isn't isn't dressed up and just looks like a regular person, and then like she's got to get all made up and strip, and then she like realizes that stripping is kind of like empowering. And this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and of all of the many, many, many stripper thriller movies, this one was uh, directed by a woman, and she wrote it with her boyfriend and now husband. Okay. Um, so, um, and, and Kat Shea went on to do some other really interesting stuff as a director. Um, probably not a lot of stuff you would know, but she did, like, The Rage, Carrie 2, hmm. Um she did. Uh, she did. She also did a sequel to Strip to Kill and a movie called Dance of the Damned, which was another very good um, kind of a stripper erotic thriller. Um, she also did the movie Poison Ivy, which is kind of a legendary erotic thriller that led to, I think, two other sequels. Hmm. So she's she's had a pretty decent career in Hollywood. Oh, good. Good for her. Yeah, and and it all started with Strip to Kill. That was the first film she directed. That was the first film Roger Corman uh, handed to her. So, uh, and she also wrote a lot too. She wrote almost every movie she did. Cool. So, um, but so yeah, it, that movie. I haven't seen it in a year or two. Um, I don't remember it being because the later ones get a lot sleazier. Um, 
how sleazy was it? How sleazy was it by your? Because what were your notes? Did you was that all your notes, or do you have more? Oh, I have tons of notes. But um, uh, so so my main thought was that one of like the male cop at one point says, "I think if I would have seen one more tit, I would have thrown up." That was how I felt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Solid. Um, but it wasn't sleazy, like in in the sense. I don't know how you mean sleazy. Uh, it wasn't sleazy in the sense that, like, uh, there was a lot of like like sex or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But oh my god, there was so much stripping. And yeah. There were, I, I will say, like, some of these acts were really well choreographed. Like, they did a really good job. So well, for, for a low-budget movie, it's important to keep in mind, like, it was, that movie probably still cost roughly uh, a half a million to a quarter of a million dollars. Like, they didn't just go uh, grab a bunch of people and film. They cast the movie, and they, you know, they hired choreographers, and um, or in many cases, just actual dancers. But I remember yeah. the dancing scenes being pretty intricate. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was interesting. Uh, um, I learned that I'm definitely not sexually attracted to women. (laughs) I'm so glad I could help you, uh, learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Just in case I was like, I don't know. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) Oh, I do think a lot of these movies, there's a lot to like because there are moments like what you what you you just mentioned where it's like if i saw it, I see another tit i'm gonna throw up <laughs> like there are great lines like that um uh, a lot of those movies as they go and the quality sometimes drops on those like erotic thrillers um there's usually still little moments like that little moments of kind of brilliance that i really enjoy yeah there's another one which i may end up sending you someday called strip teaser um and that one is like phenomenal like f- like uh, there's lots of strip scenes and stuff, but it's like really great characters, really strong script. Hmm. Um, I really liked it. And it had like a twist that I would have never seen in a million, million years. Cool. Cool. And that's like in the first seven minutes. Wow. Like a thing happens in the first seven minutes and you're just like, oh shit. Okay. Hmm. So, but there is, but, but I will tell you strip to kill began an insane amount of movies, not just from Roger Corman, from everybody of like somebody is killing people and it's somehow related to a strip club. And the only way to really get close to it is for a lady cop to become a stripper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can that, see that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, and, and, and I don't even know how many times Shannon Tweed played that character. Wow. Cause it, it, well, cause these movies were like printing money between foreign markets and television, cable television at mm-hmm. night. It was just printing money. Um, There were, there were a couple of these like erotic thrillers that Roger Corman would literally just shoot the exact same script multiple times. He would just, he would just change the location and change the name of the characters. And that was it. And they go do it again. Wow. Cause once they had a script that worked, why change it much? You know, why not keep all the beats? (laughs) So I guess, but uh, what, what other, (laughs) what other notes do you have about strip to kill? Um, uh, I, I at, once I was watching it, I was like, "Wow, I should have like I should have instead of sending you Dora Hedora, which I think is better quality at least at the beginning. I should have I should have had you watch like the first episode of Devil Man Cry, baby, because like because <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it, really." <laughs> <laughs> and then 
then we would have both been on the same page. Like, oh, that was that was a thing. Um, <laughs> one day I'll do that to you, but maybe not. Maybe I, well, I like you. You can do whatever you want because a lot of the stuff I send you is going to be curveballs like this because this is the kind of thing that I really don't think you would ever watch unless yeah. I insisted. It's because uh, I could send you like Friday the Thirteenth, but you might catch that on cable and decide to watch it. Yeah, well, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I kind of felt that way about Doro Hey Doro too because like you're probably not going to read manga. No, just and, and I'm I. Um, I sometimes show you anime and this isn't going to be one of the animes I show you because it is just not the, it's coming out currently and it's not good enough quality. Mm. Um, like it's, it's not bad and people are really enjoying it, but it's not the same as the manga. So it's not something I'm going to be like, we're going to sit down and watch this. So I figured, you know. Well, and I'm enjoying the manga. So, but, uh, with strip to kill, I mean, I can send you the sequel. It is sleazier. (laughs) Um, Actually, the sequel has one of my favorite things because it's like, it's like, it's like almost, it's not snarky, but it's Mm self-aware. Like in that one, there's a, it doesn't have another lady copy coming a stripper, but, um, it has a stripper who may have witnessed something. Do what? No, she she has to be, she has to pretend to be a cop. Yeah. Uh, it has a stripper who like has seen some stuff and might be able to lead to the arrest of somebody. Hmm. And uh, the male cop who's investigating it kind of fall. They fall in love, and they have this like ridiculous love scene in the back alley behind the behind the strip club. Oh god! But the funny thing is that like it's described by the character, by the, the, the stripper character who is the lead of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's described by her as like this, like romantic moment. Yeah. And then like a character like that she's describing it to just like finds the, like the condom on the ground. <laughs> and but so it's like, it's like making fun of the fact that that's like obviously weird mm-hmm. and not yeah. really like people oh, good. Um, like human. Um, but but strip to kill is is definitely the standout as far yeah. as like just production values and good performances oh, good. um and and really long strip scenes which i'm almost yeah. certain Roger Corman made those scenes longer than God the original movie they were so long like why were they so long i mean i know but why <laughs> I mean, I know, but why? Also, I um, thought it was a really good twist that dude not having his hand, not having a hand. Yeah, uh, I did not see that coming. So there, there is some fun stuff in there. Um, the other thing is, so one interesting thing that happens with movie types is that as a type of movie is being exploited over and over again for profits, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes they either go one of two ways. They either go extremely downhill, like just nobody cares at all, yeah. or they get people get bored, so they start becoming more creative. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of those. I think Dance of Death might have been one of them. There were a couple of those uh, stripper movies that like went really in like really, really dark places. Like... Uh, they had one where like a, like the murderer is watching a girl dance and he's fantasizing about killing her like while she's dancing, but his fantasies keep getting interrupted by him remembering his uncle molesting him. Oh my God. What? Right. But like, but like that's, that's some, some hardcore storytelling though. I mean, like he's a murderer. He's, he's evil. You know, he's got, you know, he's got damage. He's not Mm -hmm. just this for the sake of this. Mm -hmm. So there are some that are like really kind of fun and challenging. Yeah. Um, and then there are other ones. In sure. fact, there are some of them that I have actually sincerely had trouble getting through. Wow. Um, yeah. 
I will get through all of them though. <laughs> but um it's funny because like um there, this guy named David Dakota, he's a filmmaker. He made tons of B movies, still is, but he's made tons of B movies. Uh, he came out in the nineties as gay and he had done tons of these like women prancing around, you know, in their underwear movies. Mm-hmm. And he started occasionally making a movie with guys, you know, walking around in their tidy whiteies. Mm-hmm. And he found, he discovered that he could click with the gay audience and also the teenage girl audience. Yeah. Because they weren't naked. They were in their underwear, but they were like really fit dudes. Mm-hmm. And now most of the movies he makes are are either like lifetime thrillers or they're movies kind of for gay audiences. Okay. And it's funny. I've watched a bunch of his, his movies for gay audiences. And some people have told me like, but how did you stand like the shower scenes for forever and the da 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 da. And I'm like, and I, I always tell them like, to be honest, I mean, I love the female form as much as anybody, but after like a minute and a half of showering, uh, even a beautiful woman, I tune out. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like, so I just, I just, when the guys are showering, I'm like, yeah, he's got nice abs. And then I just kind of tune out because mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for it to end to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's interesting how that works. Um, yeah. What are your other notes? Do you have any other notes? Um, I'm like, I can't believe you took notes. That's so great. I don't have too many other notes. Um, I, I have one that says, you're a cop, figure it out. But I can't remember when they said that now. I just remember thinking like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just so glad you watched Strip to Kill. Of course. Oh, also, I don't get one by people when they go on fire, they don't do stop, drop, and roll. I mean, like, I don't think it would have put out the guy that was on fire because it was gasoline. <laughs> but, like, could you try? Instead of going, well, like, oh, and, like, just running around. I'm going to remember that when you catch on fire. I'm going to really remember. Judging. I'm going to stop, drop, and roll. Okay. They've been I, telling me to do that forever. They tell you to do a lot of things you don't do. Yeah, but I'll do that. I don't know. <laughs> is, is there anything else you, you need to say about about um about Strip to Kill? The only other thing that I have on here that wasn't already covered is I thought it was cool that like he was like, here, you don't know how to use it. You don't know how to tell if someone's going to where someone's going to like stab you with a knife. Like, let me, let me show you knife skills. And then she got to use them later in the yeah. movie. And I was like, yay, that wasn't well, for nothing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and there's, you know, say what you want. These movies are obviously exploitation, mm-hmm. but the female characters uh, uh, are like both the victims and the heroes. Most of the time, mm-hmm. like they're, yeah. they're just, they're, the movies are just entirely about females for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's at least kind of refreshing, especially for that era. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm just glad that you finally you finally filed away whether or not you have sexual feelings towards women. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at least there's that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can email us at this show is awkward at gmail.com or go to awkwardshow.com or whatever. See you next time. <laughs>